Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Innovations in Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias, or ADRD, Caregiver Support Programs, Innovative Community Strategies. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on December 14, 2022. In this podcast, Katie Scott, the President of Care Partners, discusses innovations from care partners in Texas regarding volunteer-based caregiver support programs. Thank you all for joining us today. Today, I will be talking about how we at Care Partners utilize volunteers to expand and strengthen the support systems of people with dementia as well as their caregivers. So Care Partners was founded over 30 years ago in response to the HIV AIDS crisis. Our founders had a graduate student who was diagnosed and had little to no support system. And so our founders asked ourselves, can we utilize the human capital that is widely available in this city to provide the support network that these individuals who are diagnosed need? And from there, they created the volunteer caregiving model. So essentially using volunteers from across the community to provide the care and support needed for them to continue with their journey. So later on in our history in 1986, we formalized this concept into what we know as the care team. And so we were able to provide care and support through this care team model, which I'll describe in a bit, to the HIV AIDS population for a while. And then we asked ourselves, can this apply to other groups? And so in the early 90s, we said, let's try this type of volunteer caregiving model with individuals with dementia and their family caregivers. And since then, that has been our primary focus. We're focused on serving older adults, individuals living with dementia, and their family caregivers across greater Houston. We have our basic care team model, but we also added support groups, education, and most recently, a dementia day center and care consultation into our service mix. So before 2020, we utilized approximately 2,000 volunteers to serve about 3,500 individuals annually. But like many nonprofits, particularly those serving older adults, COVID-19 really impacted our services. We had many site closures due to insufficient volunteer support and mandated reopening delays. There's a continued fear of COVID-19 spread in congregate settings. And we had reduced capacity at each site related to social distancing and COVID-19 risk reduction protocols. So in 2022, we project that we will have utilized 1,700 volunteers to serve about 2,000 individuals this year. Now, we work primarily with family caregivers whose care recipients live in the greater community. Some are in personal care homes, but very few are in residential or institutional care. So what is the care team model? So the purpose is to create a compassionate service of companionship and practical assistance utilizing skilled volunteers. Truly, the goal is to expand the support network of a family in a way that makes sense for the community they live in. So it's a very broad concept, but that is intentional. It allows for adaptability. It allows us to provide volunteer caregivers in ways that make sense to the situation. 
So there's different models of care teams, and we'll discuss those a little later. But overall, there's really positive impact and similar impact across the different types of care teams we offer. You'll see reduced caregiver stress, improved ability to manage caregiving responsibilities, expanded support networks for all involved, as well as reduced social isolation. So the care team model has different components depending on the type you're implementing, but there are some basic necessities to make this a successful volunteer caregiving product. And so the first is partnership and partnering with an entity with a strong volunteer network. So the care team model that we developed originated through partnerships with faith communities, including churches and synagogues. There were many volunteers that had ministries that were focused on care work. However, the model has evolved, and partners need only to have a strong core of volunteers for success. The next piece is really about management of the volunteer caregiving care team. So what we provide is professional oversight of all activities. Care Partners assigns a staff person to manage client intakes. We are assessing what are the client's needs, what are the caregiver's needs. We process volunteer intakes, we provide training, we troubleshoot, and we create policies and procedures to ensure the safety of everyone. At Care Partners, we usually have one Care Partner staff member assigned to 12 or 15 care teams for oversight. Another key component is volunteer team leaders to provide programmatic oversight. So they are going to be focusing on what specific care aspects are you providing in this particular care team? What activities are you going to be doing with the person that you're caring for? And then finally, we need to ensure that there are enough volunteers to care for the needs of the people that you're serving. Typically in our programs, that looks like a one-to-one volunteer-to-client ratio, give or take one or two, depending on the program that we're implementing. We do require a lot out of our volunteers. First, we want to make sure that they are willing and able to provide basic supervision and companionship. We do not provide any activities of daily living care as that's considered skilled care. All volunteers must participate in required training, including initial training, which is typically multiple days, quarterly continuing education, as well as annual refresher trainings. And all of our volunteers undergo background checks and report hours and visits at least monthly. So we've had a variety of care team models across our history, but currently we have two that are active and running. The first one is our gathering place, and this is a half-day activity program for individuals specifically having dementia. We offer the gathering place at 41 different sites across Greater Houston, and partner locations will host these programs, so there's no charge to care partners. The best way to describe it is a mini adult day center without the skilled care. They run from approximately 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They include planned social, mental, spiritual, and physical activities, as well as lunch. And volunteers are interacting with members, providing socialization, companionship, and supervision so their caregivers don't have to. 
The gathering places are offered once or twice a month at each site. These are very time and resource intensive as we usually provide care for 15 to 30 people at each offering. And so that is why a lot of our partners are only able to commit to once or twice a month. In our second family program, this is our in-home companionship program for older adults. It is not dementia specific. Older adults can live either by themselves or with family members. In fact, about 65% of the older adults enrolled in this program live alone. We have eight care teams across Greater Houston, and in these care teams, volunteers create care circles of about three or more volunteers to provide various care and support to older adults in their homes. Volunteers often trade off responsibilities or days to provide support. They will do things such as companionship and supervision in the home, providing transportation to doctor's appointments, escorting to the grocery store, and things of that nature. The intensity varies depending on the needs and the abilities of the care team. Some individuals may be visited multiple times a week, some only once a week. It just really depends on the care team as well as the person that they're serving. In both care team types, the caregiver has the option to stay with the individual that they're caring for or they can leave. So this is the family caregiver. So the family member can stay at the gathering place and participate in the activity program or they can go engage in some self-care activities. Everything from doctor's appointments, grocery shopping, to a little self-care like naps or beauty appointments. And same with second family. We really want the caregiver to feel comfortable in whatever way they can to engage in their self-care. So I outlined why the volunteer-based programs are important from an impact perspective. You see reduced stress. You see reduced isolation. But there are also financial implications. With many of you working at health plans, you understand the costs of long-term care. We know long-term care is expensive, and it's only going to get worse. And if you think of some of our cheapest long-term care options, which are adult day centers, you're still looking at anywhere from thirteen dollars to $18,000 a year. When you get into nursing home care, you're looking at anywhere from 70000 to 123000 per year. And most of this is out of pocket. And so our care team programs are a potential supplement for long-term care. Long-term care will not be replaced by volunteer caregiving. There are just aspects of skilled care that simply are not quite feasible for the care team model that we developed. But there are opportunities to potentially supplement care to reduce healthcare costs, not only to the family, but also to the system. For example, if you look at a gathering place, the gathering place costs care partners $10,000 a year to operate. Well, that is one gathering place at one of our sites. At that one site, each month they can serve 30 individuals. Now, it's not always the same individuals each month, but if we're serving 30 individuals and they're getting a half day of care, and that's about four hours, you're looking at providing trained companionship and supervision for approximately $7 an hour. 
that's a great asset and a great alternative than some of the more expensive long-term care options if someone doesn't need that skilled care. You see similar options with second family care team. Think of the transportation costs. If you have a client who needs to get to the grocery store or needs to get to a doctor's appointment, utilizing volunteers to bring them to and from can be a cost savings not only from the cost of transportation, but also thinking of the health outcomes later on in life because they are getting the preventative and maintenance care that they need. A lot of our families utilize these volunteer-based programs to supplement the long-term care that they have. So our care team programs are offered free of charge to our families. We do have a licensed adult day center that does have a fee. So some of our families will participate in both the licensed adult day center as well as the gathering place. They may go to the licensed adult day center three times a week and the gathering place twice a week, and that allows them to stretch their dollar a little farther. So when I first described the care team and the purpose, I was focusing on it being a broad concept and going back to that concept of adaptability being key. We want to be able to use these models and adapt them as we see the changing needs of the people that we serve. So right now, we are trying something new. With seed money from elderabuse.org, we have established the Carmel B. Dyer Second Family Pilot Program. This pilot is designed to address social isolation in older adults at high risk of elder mistreatment in an under-resourced, predominantly African-American neighborhood in Houston. Now, this pilot has all the basic components of our Second Family Program with a few modifications. Typically, in your second family care team, you will have volunteers all from the same partner. In this instance, we are pulling volunteers from multiple outlets. We have volunteers from a local congregation, as well as Rice University students engaging with older adults in their homes. We've also added the option to connect with an older adult via phone at least once a week so that people can remain connected even if they can't physically get there in person. We're also adding additional training on elder mistreatment and exploitation so the volunteers are better equipped to identify concerns and identify potential risk factors before they become a problem. And then volunteers check in more regularly with care partner staff so that we can make sure that we're addressing the needs of those family caregivers and individuals. So in general, we think about what are the things that we've learned over the years. We started our caregiver care team model back in the 80s serving the HIV AIDS population. We've transitioned throughout our history looking at different opportunities across the board, different populations to serve. And though we've had many different iterations of the care team, there are some key components that we have seen across how we work. So first, you want to identify partners with aligning missions and values. And so that's really key. If your partners are not committed, to this work, you're going to see them drop off. The graphic that you see on our screen is a snapshot of our partner locations across Harris County. As you see, we go beyond the greater Houston city limits and out into other counties. And we're able to do that because our partners are strong and strongly aligned with our mission. 
The other thing you need to consider is assessing infrastructure needs and resources regularly. COVID was a great teacher for many of us, and it taught us at Care Partners that we need to consistently assess how we serve folks. Because we were constantly assessing and adapting our need, we were able to pivot quickly when COVID hit. Instead of your traditional gathering places in buildings, we had drive-through gathering places where volunteers were masked and talking to people in cars. We did porch visits. We provided virtual activity programs online on a regular basis as well as activity kits. And so it's really key to see what's happening and what you are able to provide. Another key component is developing guiding principles. And so these are principles that I recommend formalizing in an MOU, a contract, or a covenant so that people understand who is responsible for what and what roles each individual as well as each entity is playing in this partnership. It also ensures that the program can weather any personnel changes. I also recommend engaging in training support on an ongoing basis. We see the needs of the people we serve changing regularly. And if we continue to make training and support a priority, our volunteers are equipped with the information and resources they need to continue providing the best support for those we serve. It also allows you to provide opportunities for person-centered care. For example, if someone is serving someone with Lewy body dementia, we want to ensure that they know the specific aspects of Lewy body dementia versus Alzheimer's disease or another type. Another key component is collect data. So if you're hearing from a partner that they want to start a program like this, make sure data collection is part of the planning process. We developed a process to collect outputs and outcomes on a regular basis, and it helps us to tell our story. It helps us to tell the impact. And I would highly recommend considering ways that you can collect data related to healthcare or health outcomes to really impact the story and message to healthcare systems. And then finally, communication is key. You need to communicate regularly between partners and volunteers. This way, the support system and network that you are providing for the families that you're serving is really, really well connected. We all know what's happening. We know if there's changes in care that need to happen. We also want to communicate regularly with donors and leadership across our community so that everyone is staying abreast to the needs of the family caregivers and individuals with dementia. There are a lot of issues and challenges facing both populations and donors and leadership and partners and volunteers all need to be ready to step up to support. So in general, care teams are a great resource, can be a great supplement for long-term care programs, and we've learned a lot over time. And the key thing is to make sure that you are able to utilize this wonderful, wonderful resource of volunteers in a way that best serves the needs of family caregivers and people with dementia. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. 
MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website, resourcesforintegratedcare.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Our handle is at integrate underscore care or follow Resources for Integrated Care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.